0: What's up, guys? Rick here with your Wednesday live chat for this week's Valero Texas Open. We are indeed presented by Jock Market. Talk about them in just one second. But very excited about the Jock Market uh, this week and basically every week. Here we go. The final appetizer leading into... The Masters. We're not going to look ahead just yet. We do that immediately when this event is over, but we are not. We're not going to do it just yet. Lots of uh, DFS contests still on the line. Lots of money to be made in the market. Lots of things to talk about, and this time is yours. Questions, comments, concerns, get them in right now. I'll get through as many as possible. And Evan comes right out of the gate, says, Hey, Hey, Rick, hate to be the weatherman, but... You know how that works. It's forecasted to reach mid twenty kilometers an hour. How much is that in miles per hour? Uh, winds on Friday afternoon. Does that concern you, or does it warrant a wave stack? So Evan must be from maybe Canada or somewhere where the metric system would be uh, much more prevalent. Uh, I would say this, and Evan, I don't have the the weather report up. I can pull it up later. But when I start looking at things like weather stacks, and I start relating it to wind, I Uh, two things need to be in place. I need to be pretty sure that wind is coming, right? I need to be like very clear. I'll check multiple sites. I'll kind of do the wind finder thing, all that fun stuff. Uh, And then I also kind of need to be sure that it's going to really take place for one wave and not another wave, right? So those are the two things. If, If the criteria matches both of those things and I start drawing the line about 15, 18 miles an hour of sustained wind, something like that, then I would consider a wave stack. I don't have it up in front of me. I'll pull it up here in just a little bit, but I think you have to meet all the criteria before you start thinking about wave stacks for this week. Hey, Rick, says Daniel. Good afternoon. Uh, Still morning for me, Daniel, but good afternoon. I am starting my lineups with Mav. Then I'm using a lot of guys between 7,500 and 8,900, but keeping my final spot around 7,200. Favorite floor and ceiling play, For $7,200 or less. All right, so let's go over to the cheat sheet here. Everything you see is available on my website, rickrungood.com. What are we looking for? $7,200 or cheaper. Uh, Okay, I don't mind Fratelli, uh, Dylan Fratelli. He's right here. $7,200 and uh, playing well enough coming in. He's played this event. He's a Texas guy. Should be very, very comfortable. Uh, Matthew Neesmith also Flashing a little bit of upside seems to have his head on straight. He's 7,100. That's someone that would get me a little bit excited. Outside of those, uh, Bo Hostler at 7,000. Um, I have the trends tool on rickrungood.com, and there's a lot of ways to interpret this, but this is a new trends tool. And, uh, basically, when you start looking at who's the hottest over the last 20 rounds, Ryan Brem is number one, Bo Hostler is number two. And what that means is that Bo Hostler is playing uh, a stroke over his own baseline. These, all these numbers are compared to each golfer's own 100-round baseline. So Bo Hosler is a stroke over his own baseline. That's great. A little bit of a concern that half of it is with the putter, but the other half is on approach. And that could say that he's finding something in the swing, putting things together, playing well. He's got himself in a decent spot in the FedEx Cup uh, standings at this point. He's hot compared to his own baseline. So those would be the three that I would take a peek at. Jay says, Rick, you're the man. No, Jay, you are. Are you leaning more stars to scrubs or a balanced approach this week? Also, can you do a deep dive on Robert McIntyre? Um, okay, so this week, I think, and weeks that have what I think is kind of a top-heavy board, um, I want to get one of those guys at the top, all right? I just think that... The Rory's, uh, even if you throw Hideki in there, minus the injury concerns, um, a band like they they own more of the win equity than kind of everybody else, and I think it's a little bit of a steep steep cliff. So I would prefer to have one of the guys above, let's call it, let's call it ninety five hundred and above, which is where Maverick McNeely is. So that's like eight eight or nine guys or so. I'd, I'd prefer to have one of them instead of starting a little bit lower and then creating a more balanced lineup. Here is the. Robert McIntyre deep dive um so he probably doesn't have enough stats he doesn't and and I get questions about this sometimes where why are the stats here on the golfer profile blank or why does the rank say 999? Um, It's usually because the golfer does not have enough stats to qualify for PGA Tour statistics. So I'm just going to go down to the results, go down to the game logs here. Uh, Match play results. I do have the strokes gain numbers in here. Uh, Now, these are a hair wonky, but they are official from the PGA Tour because it is match play outside of the fact that he lost five and a half strokes off the tee. He was pretty darn good. Lost five and a half strokes off the tee. That's a little bit concerning, but otherwise you see good results on the DP world tour. You see him coming into form at a tough course with um, a strong field of the Genesis Invitational, really strong stat line there to finish T15. I'm, I'm, I'm growing on Robert McIntyre. I would not, uh, I would not blame you, Jay, if you wanted to go down that route. Bryson and Woodland are answering McNeely stacked on stacked on top of a lineup. So, The way that I look at this, um, and this is actually a very clear example, to me, Bryson Woodland, high upside, high reward. If you're trying to win all the money, you go for Bryson and you go Woodland. I think that their range of outcomes combined is massive. Would you be surprised if Bryson missed the cut this week? Would you be surprised if Bryson won this week? I wouldn't be surprised with either of those outcomes. Um, Abraham Andrew Maverick McNeely, a much more solid, higher floor pairing. So, This the answer to this question, JB, is kind of what you're looking for. Are you looking to win all the money? Are you willing to take on all the risk? Or are you kind of playing a situation where you prefer a higher floor? Because these are two very, very separate pairings of golfers that you have here. It's the Tizzle says, advance notice. I'm going to try to sneak in a two for one. All right. What's the ownership on Bryson? with wayward tee shots not being as penalized here isn't this a good spot to watch him let it rip and see what happens what's the second question or is the second que- is the second question oh ownership and then I, I i don't count that as a 2 for 1 if you didn't if you did not team me up on that, I would not have said that that was a two for one. So I have Bryson at 13% ownership, which is essentially the lowest owned with Hideki Matsuyama in the $10,000 range. Obviously, Deki has the injury concerns. Uh, This will be the first start that he's trying to make since his WD before the Players' Championship, dealing with the back injury. Who knows how far he makes it into this golf tournament? Uh, Hideki's the X factor. If he plays all four rounds, uh, he could break the slate. Uh, maybe he doesn't, I I don't know. It's really hard to say. Uh, so for me, there's, uh, there's, I gotta be clear on the wayward tee shot thing. So, uh, at TPC San Antonio, the rough is it's, there's, there's basically no rough. If you're just off the fairway, you're fine. If you go a little bit further than that, you're in big trouble. I Tend to think that when Bryson misses, he misses quite large. You know, we saw that at the match play. He was uh, routinely playing from other holes off the tee. Um, it, you know, if it was just all thick rough everywhere, I would prefer Bryson in this spot. I'm I'm kind of excited for Bryson. Maybe even next week at the Masters. Right? Like, I think I think he's going to fly in under the radar. But I'm not sure this is a particularly uh, a particularly great spot for him. Hey, Rick. Hi, Mitchell. I tend to convince myself that the stats I'm seeing are good. Could you confirm that Smalley, Lashley, and Duncan are good fits? All right. Well, they're all kind of different, right? So Smalley playing well, um, nearly won in Putacana last week. I think Lashley probably deserves a little bit of a deeper dive here because I was um, going through the the site, <clears throat> excuse me, the other day. Uh not naturally, Lashley. I was going through the site the other day and I thought I saw that his ball striking numbers were much better than I expected. Can I confirm that? Uh yeah, I can confirm they've been a little bit better. So he finished T7 in Puerto Rico, T27 at Valspar, gain strokes on approach in both of those. His gain strokes T to green in three of his last four measure events. That doesn't even include the T7 in Puerto Rico, where you assume he probably gained from T to green. It's not great. It is a little bit better of an improvement than. I I think I would have thought. And then Duncan's kind of interesting too, because um, Tyler Duncan, I think, falls into the uh, poor man's Abraham answer category. And maybe that's too much credit for Tyler Duncan, but. I was pretty high on him at the Valspar, uh, finished T25. I think if you get that result from Tyler Duncan a lot of weeks, you're going to be quite happy. So now he's made three out of four cuts. Uh, His his metrics across the board are looking a lot better. And I will say this. I, I sent this out in my Run Good Rundown. It's a newsletter that I send out every single week. There's a link in the description. You can get involved in it. It has been very, very dry. In San Antonio, um, they've gotten like zero rain in March. They've gotten basically zero rain in like seven weeks, and that is well below the averages that you would normally get uh, per year. And this is already a golf course that the, the fairways tend to run out. The, all of that to say that it's going to say 7,400 yards on the scorecard. It does not play that long. Right, you're going to get a lot of run out. Some of these guys who are shorter, more accurate, like a Tyler Duncan, probably have a better chance here than it looks on paper. Third in driving accuracy, 146th in distance for T-dunks. So um, I I do think I like to 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 run Duncan right back out there. Logan says, uh, Hey Rick, love the Bo interview. Uh, thank you. Yes, I did. Uh, I did an interview on, uh, my podcast, 300 yards unknown with Bo Hossler. Uh, gr- great guy, really big into the data. Um, really knowledgeable, really thoughtful about his position on the PGA tour and, uh, kind of how he has to, um play a lot, uh, to secure his spot in the FedEx cup standing. It, it was, it was quite enjoyable. So thank you for that, Logan. Could you rank list Riley and Knox for DFS GPPs? Probably the opposite order that you have, which would be Knox Riley list, I believe is the route that I would go. Another question about Bryson's ownership. 13% is what I have. Is it a Charlie Hoffman one and done play again here? Um, yeah, we gotta talk about Charlie, right? Like we've got to have the Charlie Hoffman conversation. So as you guys may know, Charlie Hoffman at TPC San Antonio is elite elite. Elite course history. I'm, ta- I'm I'm not. I'm not even exaggerating. Like top eight of any golfer on any course in terms of course history. Uh, that's a fact. There's no debate again. So he's got the win. a Couple of runner-up finishes. Uh, a third. A couple of third-place finishes. A bunch of top 15s. Like it's just been. It's been phenomenal. The problem, and I actually believe this is injury-related. So I'm even more concerned about it. Is he's been horrendous. He's hemorrhaging strokes off the tee, losing a ton of strokes on approach. Um, you know, he had that W he had that back injury where he wd a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago at this point, And it just hasn't been good s- to start the new year. So this is very, very concerning. I believe the only places that you could consider running out. Charlie Hoffman are a one and done scenario. Uh, I wouldn't be thrilled about it, but I get it. Or even like an outright something like that. Like, I'm not even sure like I think I've cooled on Charlie for DFS purposes as the week's gone on. Um, and I think you guys know I'm more of a recent form guy than a course history guy and and this is just like so very concerning. A, a one and done scenario where, you know, you have guys in this field at the top who you would want to save probably and then it kind of gets hairy after that and one and done everyone's kind of valued the same. I don't mind it as much, but I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely cooling on on Charlie for DFS purposes. Uh so John J Douglas, probability that Madeki uh Madeke. Hideki Matsuyama opts to go wheels up at the slightest ache. Um yeah, this is really hard. It's not, it's very difficult for me to speculate. It's very difficult for me to try to quantify this, which is something that I would that I would like to do, but I think it's very clear that there are bigger fish to fry for Hideki at the Masters, obviously as the defending champion and he is likely not going to risk missing out on the Masters or furthering in, further injuring himself at the Masters for the Valero Texas Open. I, I just don't envision that. So maybe he's 100% healthy, and he, that's why he's playing this week, and he's ready to rock and roll. If you're willing to play him in 15% of your lineups or 10% of your lineups, you might have a little bit of leverage on the field. Uh, I believe he's an X factor, right? If he plays all four rounds, I love his chances, but I, I don't know how likely that scenario is. Um, speaking of Hideki, when he withdrew from the players, uh, the guys over at Jock Market, they refunded all of those shares. They take good care of us over there at Jock Market. And they are uh, the presenters of this live stream so if you haven't played on jock market it's stock market dfs you can buy sell short trade shares of athletes not just golfers though that's what i uh tend to focus on and right now uh wednesday we are in the ipo phase for golf so right now you can go and you can bid on shares of golfers and joe idoni and myself tonight at 8 15 p.m eastern time we're gonna do a power hour where we take you for the final 45 minutes or so of that IPO phase. We talked to you about the prices and all that good stuff. Uh, and I have the data all on my website and I actually, um, actually give me one second here. I've got to, uh, I've got to exit out of visual builder. Here we go. So this will uh, show you the data on uh, my website, rickrungood.com, which is free. You can go check it out. You can download it. So for Punta Cana last week, uh, you know, we talked about Alex Smalley earlier. He went for $6 and 25 cents in IPO. He finished second and got the, uh, $20, a, uh, per share payout. So that's a, a 220% ROI. What I've also done is I've added a new tab here. So you can go to the leaderboards and you can say, okay, just golfers since, uh, the start of 2022 who are in this field. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, Nick Taylor has played 10 markets and he has returned you a profit in 77% of them. That's what I like about jock market. There is no other market in the world in which Nick Taylor is making you a winner 70% of the time, 80% of the time, because normally he'd have to win. He'd have to finish inside the top 10, the top 20, whatever it is in jock market. He just has to outperform his expectations. So that's what I really, really love about it. You look at Bryson DeChambeau, only two cash markets this year. It's been pretty horrendous. Hasn't turned you a profit in either one of those. Um, Hideki's been okay. Rasmus has been good. I'm just trying to look through some of these guys. Chris Kirk has been really good. So uh, it's just kind of a different way to look at it. And what I love about it is that it opens up the entire field. You know, in DFS, we all play the same 30 guys. Uh, in in betting, we all bet the same 20 guys. Like It's just because there are outcomes that you're asking them to have. Win, top 10, top 20. Uh, You can win with any outcome in the jock market. So it's it it opens up the entire field, which for guys like us, that's really good. Use the code Rick. There's a link in the description. Go get yourself paid. Who would your master's pick? Uh, who would your who would be your master's pick to win if it started tomorrow? So I, I think two guys. I think the sexy pick is Justin Thomas, or I think that's the one that everybody kind of is is figuring out. JT is a pure winner. He's gotten better at the masters every single year. And really the only reason he played himself out of it last year was one hole, right? He made a triple on, I think it was 13 on Saturday and that was it for him. Otherwise he was right back in the mix again. The other one that I'm really craving is, is Brooks kepka And I think you guys know, I'm not a huge Brooks Kepka better. I've kind of waited to see, and I've been gen- generally right on that. I haven't been burned. We're getting healthy Brooks again, and we're getting good Brooks again. And we're I'm listening to the interviews and he's feeling himself. And the match play was impressive. And I'm just like, this guy's top 10 to half of the major championships he's played in. Um I I I think it's it's about to be Brooksy time. That's that's the way I feel. What are your thoughts on Richard Bland uh, for DFS? Not much, you know, kudos to Richard Bland. He pops up every now and again, but 7,200 bucks for um, what I think is kind of a high risk, not necessarily huge reward kind of golfer. Um, when there's other guys in the 7K range that I like more, I mentioned the Smiths even going back to Honor Bonlehiri or Kramer Hickok or Dylan Fertelli. I just like them all more. So it's probably not going to be a Richard Bland week for me. Did you, uh, did you successfully reverse mush Corey Connors or still looking to fade? Yeah. So Connors has probably been the guy that I've grown on the most this week. And I think I, I would still rather, um, I would rather play Connors in one and done. I'd rather probably bet Connors outright than play him in DFS. I, I know, He only played six matches at the match play instead of uh, seven. Uh, And he's going back to maybe the best place on earth for him. History, I don't know. There's a couple of guys that you could point out that played the week after the match play and were fine. But I think for the most part, the guys that make a deep run, it's not great. But I... I, I'm looking at the rest of this field and I see guys like Jordan Spieth who I have more concerns about. I see guys like Hideki Matsuyama that I obviously have built-in concerns about and Bryson DeChambeau. I think as the week has gone on, I've gotten more bullish on Corey Connors, um, especially in, in one-and-done formats. Favorite play in the sixty-five to $6,900 range. Okay, let's scroll on down and see what we can find here. Um, Svenson. At 68, I don't mind at all. Who else? Mm, This is a tough range. Svensson, I don't mind. Smotherman, I'm okay with. Let me see if there's another kind of breakout candidate here in that range. Uh, How much is James Hahn? I'd like to probably look at Hahn's numbers. He's putting a nearly a stroke below his baseline, three quarters of a stroke below his baseline hitting it, uh, gaining about a quarter of a stroke to his baseline from T to green. Okay. Maybe James Hahn. What's his price? What's Hahn's price? Oh boy. Now I got to sort by alphabetically. This is so embarrassing. James Hahn, James Hahn. And obviously I don't know the alphabet. What am I doing here? J K L M N there we go. 6,200. My God. Sorry about that. I just wasted everybody's, uh, 10 seconds. There you go, Zach. Hopefully those are some good names for you. How do you weigh the Cord Fairy Tour event from 2020 in San Antonio, Riley and Barjon finishing 1-2, liking either of them this week? I think uh I I mean I always like Paul Barjon more than most people and Davis Riley We saw that sweet stroke as he went to the playoff a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I give it like a 5% boost, 10%. Like, I don't think it's anything crazy, right? That was a long time ago in a field that is uh, very different than the field that we are getting right now. Uh, Is it a tiebreaker? Sure. If guys played poorly there, I'm not going to particularly care. And if they won or finish one, two, I'll give them a little bit of a boost. Maybe they'll have some good vibes going back, but that's a long time ago. Um, I think we've seen in golf, especially for the younger guys. These things change so, so quickly. I'm not putting too much of a huge emphasis on uh, that one single event from from 2020. What's up, Rick? Any signs of life from Finau? Very little. Uh, you know, we can talk about the million birdies he made against Xander Shoffley on Friday at the match play, but we can also offset that with like, okay, Tony finally showed up when it, like that meant nothing. Right. It was just a meaningless round of golf with his buddy Xander and he made eight or nine birdies. Like I, I don't, I don't particularly care about that. You know, you look at the other metrics still losing a ton around the green. The putter has been horrible. The driver has not been as good as, as we have seen in the past. I, I just, I, I, I'm not seeing the signs of life on Tony Fina that I would like to see. Would you rather pivot to Bryson or Siwoo up top and why? Um yeah, so Bryson's kind of interesting, although I'm not sure. I'm super stoked to uh, to pivot to him. Uh, Siwu's had uh, pretty good pretty good results around here, right? He finished fourth in 2019. He finished 23rd in 2021. Uh, he's got another top 25 in in 2017. So I would probably prefer Siwu. They're both super risky. Any chance Ricky Fowler gets out of a slump and gets a top 20 or even top 30? Uh, I mean. I don't know if, if I knew that, if I, if I knew that I would just bet it. I'm, I'm still waiting to see on Ricky, right? I I just think we're now what, two years into this. He lost his best weapon. I it's kind of, I'll just, I'll just wait and see. Hey, Rick. Uh, would you recommend putting Hickok in a DFS lineup for this week? I do like Kramer Hickok. You know, he got off to a slow start in Punta Cana last week, but played three really good rounds, and he is going to keep the ball in play. He's not the longest in the world, but that's okay. If this is dry here, I do like Kramer Hickok. Yes, let's go. And he's a Texas guy, right? Wasn't he Um, wasn't he Spieth's roommate? Am I confusing him with somebody else? No, that's him, right? So, yeah, I, I think that's a, a very good one. Hey, Rick, how come you're not that fancy new studio today? Uh, I go to the studio once a week. So the studio that he's referring to is, uh, the blue wire studio at the Win. Uh, so I record, I record out of there once a week. I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there tomorrow. So check it out. Uh, it's very fun. I enjoy it. How do you view salary in DFS? If I say, if say you have $7,100 left for the final spot, do you think you need to drop to the mid sixes to be different? Or do you reevaluate your other five golfers and find a pivot? So there's probably no right answer here, uh, B Miller, because you, I'd have no problem with you spending all the $7,100 if your other five guys had a combined, you know, if your if your six golfer combined ownership was sub 60% or sub 80%, I think you'd be different enough that you don't necessarily have to worry about that. If you were playing super chalky guys uh, and you had $7,100 left, yeah, you should probably drop to at least. I mean, you don't need to go to the mid sixes. You can go to, uh, you know, leaving $300 on the table is like already giving you a much better chance of being unique because the vast majority of people spend the absolute max 49, nine or 49, eight. So even if you spent 49, seven, you'd be different enough. So kind of depends on those other five guys. Uh, just do what you think is right. You'll figure it out. Rick. Do you think it's a better strategy to play guys that aren't qualified for the Masters or aren't at the top? Um, only a little bit, right? Like, So I get it. I get the idea that, hey, these guys are incentivized to try to have a great week to get themselves into the Masters next week. If they were able to flip a switch and play better on command, they would not have waited until the week before the Masters to flip the switch and play better on command. So that's kind of the the idea around it. Now, some of the guys that are just outside, like I I think Maverick McNeely is, is a really, is a really great guy to consider this for because he is playing well, probably very confident in his game uh, has unfinished business. He's not in the master's field yet. Like someone like that, I think makes a lot of sense. Adam Hadwin similarly, you know, playing well, we're seeing a real resurgence in his approach, play. maybe the best approach play we've seen from him in a long time, not in the master's field. I'm not saying that they're just able to say, oh, I'm going to go make the Masters field this week because they would have done that already. But uh, I I do think that that is an interesting little nugget for the guys just outside. Uh, Hi, Rick. What are your thoughts on Takumi Kanaya for Valero? I'm generally a big fan of Takumi, uh, but he was fairly bad at the match play. I know that he got out of his group. I... I think he was maybe the worst performance to get out of that group. You know, Lucas Herbert should have won that group. Uh, Xander and Finau kind of rolled over for the rest of that group. Uh, He missed a lot of short putts. I didn't see much confidence there. I love the kid's game. Uh, Very talented player. What I saw last week, I think, was like his finishing position and his result, I think, is going to look better than his actual play, which is a little bit concerning. Par fives is 14 reachable for an Eagle out of the fives and who can reach for Eagle tries? Well, this is a little bit dependent Joe on what the scorecard uh, yardage numbers are going to be and what the um, uh, like the wind directions are going to be and things like that. But if you go to, so I actually have, um, I actually have a prize picks tool on the website where you can click historically like hole by hole and you can see 14 is, uh, basically the hardest of the fives, right? So you get, it's playing, uh, less than a quarter of a stroke under par historically. So you can click 14 and you can see, um, you know, of the guys that are eligible on price picks. So this probably isn't a, a full, a full view of it. Like there's just a lot of pars made there. There's not a lot of guys making birdie. There's not a lot of guys making Eagle. So uh, it's, it's, it, it, unfortunately we're not going to know this answer until like, tomorrow morning, when we see the scorecard uh, yardage, when we see the uh, the wind direction and all that stuff, unfortunately. Is it a good idea to skip the 10K range? I do not believe so, Hugo. I would prefer one of those guys. Rick, who is your dark horse this week? Well, I mentioned uh, Bo Hossler. Uh, I think Brendan Steele is quite interesting as well. So Steele has won this event before. And after a very big slump, um, Steele has figured it out in the last two weeks. API was great. Players was great back to being a great ball striker, horrendous in terms of team no putt. But if you look at his putting history at TPC San Antonio, much better, much better than his baseline games about, uh, has gained in five of his 10 trips. And of course the victory there as well. So those would be the two guys that I'd be fairly interested in. Uh I've answered a lot of these already. Question about Hadwin. So I I've, I've been very high on Hadwin for the last couple of weeks. I I point out frequently that 2022 he found something in the approach play. It has unlocked a lot of his game. As long as that continues, he will he will make noise. Uh because the rest of his game is is stout, right? He's a he's a very good putter. Uh the driver rarely gets him in trouble. So if he can continue to make those improvements, whatever he figured out, whatever he figured out in those 5 weeks off uh for uh the the off season I would love to know. Right? Send me the notes. Set, hit, hit, get your coach uh over here. I I need I need that. Every day I'm in. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Great work, Rick. Uh with my province banning, DraftKings and FanDuel DFS in favor of their Sportsbook, I'll continue to use your site for betting. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Gavin. Uh yeah, well, yeah, I I'm not I saw that. I'm not sure so it's Ontario, right? I'm not sure what they did there because they had DraftKings and FanDuel and I and something has changed. I'm not as familiar with it, but I did see that. Uh it, it, very strange for someone to, for, for them to remove it. Any value at looking at the best in 50 to 125 proximity with longer par fives in play. Eli uh I generally do not like those buckets, but I, I think that is one of the better use cases for it where not a lot of guys reach the fives um, a lot of the fives can be uphill or into the wind and, uh, it turns a lot of them into three shotters, 50 to one twenty-five is not the most perfect bucket, but it is probably better than, than, um, than most. Who's your favorite golfer? I liked Cantlay watching when the FedEx cup became a fan. He played bad the last two events though. I'm not worried. Yeah, I, it's, it's, you know, I'm almost too close to it now. I, it's, it's really hard for me to have favorites, um, Obviously, I, I really am a fan of, of, of Victor. I'm a fan of Rory McIlroy. Um, there are so many guys. You know, Patrick is a great guy. Uh, you know, I've gotten to speak with Doc Redman and Bo or on the podcast. It's just like they're all fairly good guys. It, it's it's kind of hard for me to, to, to pick favorites at the moment. No question. Just want to say thanks for all your hard work weekly for us degenerates and golf DFS fanatics. Thank you, bro. Uh, I've answered a lot of these, so I'm just going to skip on through. Oh, I've answered a lot of these. Can you talk me out of being all in on Sahith Tagala this week? Let's do a little bit of a deeper dive, because what you have to understand, uh, if you're going to be all in on him, Nick, You have to be willing to take on the risk, right? Because that is kind of inherently built into Sahit. So if you watch his swing, it's not a technical swing, right? It's not a Roy McElroy. It is not an Adam Scott. It's more of a Scotty Scheffler. Uh, It's more of a feel thing. It's more where, like, when everything clicks, He's going to have good weeks, and when he's a little bit off, he's going to miss the cut, right? And you see that in his results. T3 in Phoenix, T7 in Valspar, missed the cut at the players, missed the cut at the Arnold Palmer, T48 at the Genesis, MDF at Pebble. Like it's You're going to get a lot of that. So it's going to be hard week by week to say, is this a good week for him? Because it's going to depend on if he can get his body into the correct positions, because his his game is so field dependent. So um, I'm not going to talk you out of it. I'm not going to spend your money. You don't spend my money, but uh, just know that if you're playing him, you're taking on the risk. Hey, Rick, uh, going back to the trends tool, if a golfer is hot, wouldn't that mean he is more likely to regress back to his means? So we should fade them. So yeah, you you can kind of look at this a lot of different ways. So um, the who's hot column, which I'll I'll, I'll show you here, the who's hot tool. uh, This definitely shows you guys who are playing over their baseline, which I think in theory, you would see some regression, but there's there's good and bad over your baseline, like Tina green over your baseline. Uh, this has historically been a little stickier, right? Guys that are, and especially approach guys that are hitting it well on approach can normally do that multiple weeks in a row. Think Adam Hadwin, right? Adam Hadwin, um, which I can probably go back further to get to Adam Hadwin 30 rounds, maybe yeah, here he is 30 rounds. Hadwin is the sixth hottest approach player, which is. That could mean a lot. Uh, now, I think that's pretty sticky because he's doing it week over week. We've seen it. It's tangible. And historically, that stays around longer. Uh, putting heat tends to come and go. That's where I would start to be a little bit concerned. So if you said, you know, even eight rounds of the hottest putters, Andrew Landry, John Hud, Dylan Wu, um, even Bo Hostler, who I mentioned earlier, but he also has the approach play to go with it. Like that, I, I think that regression is more likely to come. And that's why the breakout candidates tool, um, it does just that for you, right? It it says, if we think T to green play is a little bit stickier and we think they can stay there, but we think putting is going to regress back to their own baseline, who's likely to benefit? And uh, for this week, it's like Luke List, Hayden Buckley, Matt Jones, Brendan Steele, Camilo Vigegas. And this doesn't mean they have to get their putter hot. It just means their putter has to get back to their own baseline, which for Luke List is very low. It's a low bar. Uh, so yes, it's it's a very good question. We could go back and forth on that quite a bit, but I, that's the way that I, that I generally interpret the trends tools. So will Hoffman ownership be high? Okay, so I have Charlie Hoffman at... Um, I have met only 6%. Now that is, again, that's my projected ownership with my key indicators that I've been, you know, tweaking over years and years and years and it's gotten fairly accurate. But uh, one of the key indicators is not necessarily what people are are thinking in their heart or feeling in their heart, right? Like, I think if you put a gun to my head, Charlie Hoffman comes in at like 10% instead of 6%. Like, I think it'll be more popular than even what I'm, uh, projecting what are Tiger's odds next week to make the cut? I actually think there's a scenario in which Tiger plays quite well. Um, you know, there, and quite well, meaning top 45, something like that. Right. There, there is, um, we're obviously going to do the whole masters thing for the next 10 days, but, um, Tiger, even at PNC, uh, the club head speed was there, right? He was very physically fit. Uh, his, his, his club speed, his ball speed was essentially that of Colin Morikawa's. So that's all there. Uh, the mental side at Augusta national is probably a two stroke advantage for him, right? Just knowing the nuance, being able to work his way around that course, is probably a two stroke edge for him over the field. So, and when you have 91 golfers, and 50 and ties are going to make the cut. And the bottom 15 are past champions and amateurs that have no chance of making the cut, or maybe not all the amateurs, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of guys that make the cut. And and tiger is, I believe, uh, I, I would not be stunned to see Tiger play and finish like T41. I would not be stunned at all. We'll we'll see what happens and how it feels, but um I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna bet against the guy. Rick, you mentioned on Monday you were going to look into Kirk. Did you have a chance and what did you find? Yeah, I'm uh I'm like a seven out of ten. You know, I'm 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 excited. I think he'll be quite um uh quite popular. Uh I have met as one of the most popular options, about 24% owned. But here's his here's his golfer profile. And you'll see he had that good run. Uh excuse me. He had that good run here from Phoenix and into the Florida swing. And if you start to look at the stuff that he's done at Valero before you're going to see a set of results that are quite good, you know, four top 15s in his last six years and he's gaining strokes on approach and it's all very good. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm a seven out of 10. I think I understand why he was, uh, very high on my, on my power rankings in the model that I run. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's okay. God, I love to hear the BK love Rick. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Hey, Rick, uh, thanks for all you do. Can you shed some light on why answer is popping in the breakout trends tool seems to have been putting well recently? Okay, so um, let's uh, let's see if I can find this. So answer is not necessarily. uh, So here he is where you say he's popping. Right. So he is. uh, And I don't know if I can hover on his actual dot there. I can't get to it, but um, he is. Can I click him? No. Uh, he is right on kind of his 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 baseline here, right? So let's just do this. Let's do... So what did I have for the trends tool? And actually, you might have been looking at... I probably had it default to 20 rounds. So maybe that's where you were seeing answer pop a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So you're seeing answer uh, uh, at a half a stroke over his tee to green baseline and a half a stroke under his putting baseline. So that's last 20... Round. So if we go to, let's do this. Let's go to power rankings. Let's look at answers, 100 round baseline. And it is, uh, it's quite high. See, that's the thing. He is, uh, by far one of the top putters in this field by their own baseline. So the fact that he's putting below that, and we can look up his golfer profile here, uh, there is still some room to get back. He just has, he has such a high bar for himself. Right, that's really the problem. Uh, even even these rounds right here, that's not enough to get to his baseline, is it? Especially when you start incorporating this. So it, he just he has been putting well, but he has such a high baseline that I, the 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 model still believes that there's there's room for him to to grow there. Is there a running stat for total ownership of first place GPP lineups? Uh, no. Uh, well, I could go back and run this, but I believe that uh, a running stat for total ownership of optimal lineups would probably be better, Matthew, right? I mean, I I, I always try to separate winning lineups from optimal lineups. Winning lineups are, there's a human element uh, that eliminates a lot of the uh, possible combinations. The optimal lineup might say the best average ownership, you know, the running uh, total for average ownership in optimals is like 20%. And we might have to reevaluate this, this whole thing. Um, I'll see if I can find that. I'm going to actually write that down a little bit because um, I want to look into that. So let's do, uh, so what is it? Total ownership. I'll, I'll write down winning lineups. Cause I'll know what that means. Winning lineups. All right. I'll look into it. Thanks, Matt. Matthew, sorry. I don't know if we're good enough friends to call you, Matt. Is Uline a free square this week? Yeah, so uh, this is actually quite fascinating. If you play on multiple sites, uh, you'll see that uh, uh, Peter Uline is, I believe he's like 9,500 or 8,500 on FanDuel, and he's the dead man on uh, DraftKings. So to put that into perspective, uh, you have a situation where, why am I not getting this here? Peter Uline. Um, You have a, a situation where Oh, I know why. Sorry, give me one second here. Uh, okay, here we go. Peter Uline is basically the same price as like Luke List on FanDuel, but he is the same price as the worst guy on DraftKings, right? So there's kind of like a built-in, uh, I guess it's a free square. Uh, last four starts have been good. Uh, a top 20 and a runner-up finish on the Corn Ferry, and then two made cuts at his PGA Tour events. I, I quite like Peter Uline and for the dead men um, you know, he should probably be like 6,900. So it's not a huge issue, but he's definitely much cheaper than he should be. Hey, Rick, love your information. How many rounds will Charlie Woods have played at Augusta before he's eligible to play (laughs) a lot? Probably Uh, Rick, will you be at the Memorial TBD? I am going to get out on the road more often here uh, in coming weeks, but I have not uh, hammered out a schedule. Uh, what is your method for projecting popular players in one and done formats? Is it safe to go with fantasy, fantasy ownership? Yes, that's fairly safe. I, I, um, I keep these numbers year over year. So it's, it's, uh, kind of easy to see the trends, but yes, uh, fantasy ownership is generally a, a good, a good correlator. Who is the best player right now? Not in the masters. That would be K, um, Maverick McNeely, in my opinion. With the Masters next week are we likely to see uh WD's if the rounds don't start great for some players? No. I think um maybe like injury concerns like Hideki, right? Maybe, but I think for the vast majority of the field, they're here because they're they're here. They're they're here cuz they want to get reps in. They're here because they want to make sure their game is sharp. Um I think we've heard Tiger say this before. Now Tiger can uh he can get away with a lot, but he would play you know, the week before, or weeks before, and he would work on shots that he wanted to hit at Augusta National, not necessarily caring as much about the results of those events. Uh, I don't think most golfers have the luxury of being able uh, to do that this week. Hey, Rick, any thoughts on parlaying matchups? Thinking something like Spieth over Hideki, Woodlands over Keegan, Bobby Mack over Poulter for eight to one. Um. I mean, parlaying things is generally not great. Matchups is probably a better edge because the markets are less inefficient. That's why prize picks is kind of pretty cool because the markets of player props are so inefficient that there are times in which parlaying things actually becomes beneficial. Uh, Use the code RICK. There's a link in the description and we're smoking prize picks right now, so you should check that out. Um, Yeah, this is fine. I mean, I'm not a huge into parlaying matchups, but... um, and I don't necessarily like Woodland over Keegan there either, but it's your money. It's cool. Does Rory have to win this week to play at the Masters? No, Rory's well qualified for the Masters. And I actually like that Rory's playing this week. You know, this is, this is rare for him, right? I'm, I'm quite high on Rory this week. You know, nobody's asked a question about him yet, but um, Rory usually plays the match play, takes the week off before the Masters. And, um, uh, just goes goes to Augusta National thinking about the career Grand Slam. I believe this is a really good spot for him to play his way into it, not have to focus on the Masters. I actually like Rory this week, and I like him next week. I think this is a really smart, savvy play for him. Great stuff as always. Favorite debutante at the Masters to make This is already turning into the Masters uh, live chat. Make a deep run between Gooch, Burns, Sheamus, Cam Young, or Luke List. Probably Sam Burns than Gooch. What are your thoughts on Graham McDowell? Course history, not horrible. Recent form had me a little bit bullish. So, um, I, I do think I lump him into the, uh, Abraham answer, uh, Tyler Duncan category, the, the Graham McDowell category where he's not long, but he is accurate. Keeping it in play here is critical. And, the dry rollout that we are, I believe we are going to get from TPC San Antonio does benefit him more than most guys. The fact that you can't get to the fives uh, frequently in two helps Graham McDowell. So I I do believe there is a path for that specific type of golfer. Um, Maybe you should throw Brian Stewart in that category, like that type of golfer. It's not like I think they're going to, go crazy and, and win, but I think that this is a better setup than most people want to believe it is. But we'll see how that goes. Um, let me look through these uh, comments here. KH Lee came up a couple times. And there's a comment here from, from DFS Chef. The only concern I have about KH Lee uh, is <laughs> it's kind of a big concern. It's this one right here. He's just... Losing a ton of strokes on approach. Now it hasn't stopped him from I mean, the guy has made every cut since the Sanderson Farms. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven in a row. It's actually quite impressive. I just don't know where the upside is, right? So if you're just looking for a guy to get through and make the cut, I think KH Lee is uh interesting just because he's proven that to us, but I don't necessarily see as much upside here. Can you do a deep dive on Thompson? He looks good, uh, but don't know what I'm looking at all the time. Okay, well, this kind of depends on what Thompson you're talking about, right? Curtis? Curtis Thompson? Here's Curtis Thompson's results, who's actually um, related to uh, Lexi Thompson's, her brother, I believe. So uh, this is not all that exciting. Again, kind of this is like a worse version of KH Lee. It's he's made five cuts in a row, which is fine, but where's the upside? Right? He's got his best finish during that stretch is a T39. He does it in a way that is not necessarily predictable. His approach plays hit or miss, his around the green play generally poor. The putter popped for five strokes and he only finished T39 at Valspar. The drivers slightly above tour average. I just don't know where the upside is. I think he's a very average tour player. Um at least during this, this stretch here. So it's, it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to get all that excited. Okay. I'm going to do like two more because I got to, I actually got to wrap this up a little bit early. I told you guys I've got family in town, so I hope you understand. I'm going to wrap this up a little bit early. I'm going to make a little bit of an airport run, but we are going to do a couple of more here. Um, I kind of talked about it. I didn't show it. Here's the Ricky Fowler situation. What am I looking at that excites me here? I love Ricky had the chance to talk to Ricky. I want to be all in on Ricky. I, I believe he's great for the game. I'm looking at a guy who's lost multiple strokes, putting in three of his last four in four of his last six, his, his, his beautiful putting stroke is not rolling putts in. I like to see that he's, Hitting it a little bit better, gaining strokes on approach, but this is this is a real concern profile, man. Like when I look at this and you look at what the DNA of Ricky is, uh, it's really hard. It's really hard. Um, updated custom model. I don't think I would update it. I'd probably I'd probably roll with kind of what I did um, off the tee. Kind of like if you wanted to run a model to to benefit like accurate guys, I'd be okay with that. Uh, not to knock distance guys. So I'd still probably do like a blended distance and accuracy thing. Oh, I managed to snag one ticket for the $100 millimaker on DK. How unique should I be to win this thing using the model? What percentage ownership and randomness should I be using? So Lincoln, what are your goals, man? You know, do you want to, do you want to min cash and get 150 bucks or do you want to win it? Uh, if you want to win it, I would say your, uh, percentage ownership should be like sub 70 and your randomness should be like 15%, something like that. If you want to get really freaky, lower it to 60% total ownership, something like that. But, uh, I, I mean, I think you should try to win it, especially because like if you have one ticket for the Millie maker, you're not maxing it, right? You're already at a horrible disadvantage. I think you should try to single bullet, win this thing and do something crazy you know, 60% total ownership, leave 500 bucks on the table. Hope you hit the nuts. Like that's, that's your path here, right? That's your path to a life-changing uh, situation. That's the way that I would do it. <laughs> Rick made sure the in-laws weren't in town for the masters. Come on, of course um, there was one more that I thought I wanted to look at. Uh, it was, I was talking about Rory McIlroy being chalk. So I have Rory at 24% owned, which, uh, projected ownership, which is basically the highest of the $10,000 guys, which makes sense, right? Cause there's questions around Decky, there's questions around Spieth, there's questions around Bryson and people are like, well, what would I rather do? Would I rather pay for answer or would I rather pay for Rory? And They're going to pay for Rory. Uh, you also know, you also see, That's kind of what what has created a perfect storm for Corey Connors to be 25% owned. The great week last week, the excellent uh, course history here, and the basically three out of five question marks at the top in the 10K range. So Corey Connors, I I think, is just going to be super, super owned. Okay, I'm going to put a pin in it there. I, I thank you guys all for being... Uh, Flexible with me this week, Uh, moving this up, ending it a couple minutes early so I can so I can go and 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 run and and do an airport thing. Um, I appreciate all the support. I mean the the way that this channel has grown and the support, it's just it's crazy to me. Uh, So I really appreciate it. Go sign up uh, for Jock Market. Use the code in the description. The the code is Rick. The link is in the description. There's a Power Hour tonight with Joe and myself. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm going to go pet Oliver. Go rub your dog's belly. Check you later.